0: Well, this morning we're continuing in our series um, that's entitled Sex, A Better Story and Richie's going to come shortly and help us consider the area of pornography. Just before he does that we're going to read from God's word um, we're going to turn to the book uh, Song of Songs um, and we're going to read the whole of chapter five and that can be found on page 681 of the Pew Bibles. Song of Songs, Chapter 5. I have come into my garden, my sister, my bride. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb and my honey. I have drunk my wine and my milk. Eat, O oh, friends, and drink. Drink your fill, O oh, lovers. I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, listen. My lover is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. I have taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I have washed my feet. Must I soil them again? My lover thrust his hand through the latch opening. My heart began to pound for him. I arose to open for my lover and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the lock. I opened for my lover, but my lover had left, he was gone. My heart sank as it at his departure. I looked for him, but did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. They beat me, they bruised me, they took away my cloak those watchmen of the walls. O daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you. If you find my lover, what will you tell him? Tell him I am faint with love. How is your beloved better than others, most beautiful of women? How is your beloved better than others that you charge us so? My lover is radiant and ruddy, outstanding among ten thousand. His head is pure as gold, his hair is wavy and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by the water streams, washed in milk, mounted like jewels. His cheeks are like beds of spice, yielding perfume. His lips are like lilies, dripping with myrrh. His arms are rods of gold, set with crystallite. His body is like polished ivory, decorated with sapphires. His legs are pillars of marble, set on bases of pure gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as its cedars. His mouth is sweetness itself. He is altogether lovely. This is my lover. This my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. This is God's word.
1: Um, So... Good morning, everyone. Um, so we're nearly at the end of our series on sex. So we've talked about for the last four weeks. If you're new, uh, just hold on. We are good. Um, I think, in essence, what we've been saying for the last, uh, we'll throughout this series, really, is two things. Firstly, we're saying that the restrictions that God places on sex namely that sexual activity is only for within the marriage of one man and one woman, we are saying those restrictions are good. And secondly, that even though for some, adhering to those restrictions is hard to do, we get that, or adhering to those restrictions is hard to understand, we are still saying that God God is still good and he's trustworthy. And so what we've ended up with is that we we take those two points together and we say to those who push us on this, we we are able to say to them, actually, yes, despite your incredulity towards us, despite your what about this, what about that, what about these people, what about me, uh, despite all these, we say, we can say with faith and confidence that God is good and following his moral law is good too. And if you were to join us, you'd see that actually we're doing all right. And then uh, I think as well, I don't know, I can't remember if this was stated explicitly, but I do know from talking to Christoph and Stephen, uh, the other two speakers in the series, that we've also been trying to undermine any idea that Christians have a negative attitude towards sexual activity itself. that's... One of the reasons I chose the, the reading that we did, I'm not going to talk about it, but it is a quite openly unashamed uh, passage about two lovers talking about each other with all of the erotic undertones that you can find in it. So we we don't want to be people who are known to, are saying, oh, we don't talk about that, or we think it's a shameful thing. No, 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 it's not, it's good, sex is good, if you're married, have at it. And I know some of you were wondering if any of these talks would be focusing on technique. <laughs> that's about as much as you're going to get, right? So yes, sex is good. But like any good thing, it can be misused. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Specifically, has already told you we're going to talk about the area of pornography. And uh, let me start off with a definition. Porn, uh, I'm going to use the word porn, it's easier throughout the talk. Porn is printed or visual material containing the description or display of sexual organs or sexual activity for the purpose of stimulating sexual excitement, right? And to be honest, you know yourself, it used to be magazines and books and the odd film, but really what we're talking about today is pictures and videos that are found on the internet. And uh, before I go on, I I think it might help you to know why we're even bothering to look at this topic uh, at all. Uh, I think the plan was always to zero in on at least one specific topic, and we could have of course looked at a number of different things, but we landed on talking about porn because the statistics would say that this is an issue for many of us, you, us here today the statistics would say that a healthy percentage of us in this room right now have watched it and more than likely some of us have serious ongoing issues with it. I know also from my time here, and certainly Christoph has, and I have too, we've talked with some of you about your problems with this. So it's a real issue. And it's a growing problem, in fact. Um, Let me tell you, as I was reading this, uh, the stuff about this during the week and and uh, coming up to it, I discovered three things I want you you to know about. Uh, I I wrote a paper on pornography, a very small thing. I couldn't even find it. But I wrote a paper on, on pornography about 10 years ago, right? And at the time, I looked into some of the material that was out there. And then this week... I came back again to the issue and I I read the the red book there on the organ. Uh, I read that thing and I, I looked up different websites and I saw all the things that they were saying about it. And what was interesting was that largely, actually, everything they had to say about how to deal with it, it was more or less the same. Except for three things. One was that the scale of accessibility is now completely different. Uh, the internet has given us the triple A of availability, affordability and anonymity. Right, So it's available anywhere and all the time. It's totally free and no one has to know that you did it except Google. Do you trust them? So anyway. The first thing I learned was that the problem was much bigger than it was. The second thing was that unlike 10 years ago, it wasn't just religious people that are, um, who see this as a problem. I was on this really, really great website. It's called fightthenewdrug.org. That's fightthenewdrug.org. Uh, if you're a parent or if you want to help yourself, uh, I would say actually you should go there first. It will give you all the facts that you need to see. Uh, It's a great place to take your teenager to if you want to talk to them about that. It's very well done, very well presented. And they're totally against porn. Uh, They say it negatively affects you, your relationships, and society. But as I said, they're completely unreligious. In fact, they make a big deal out of that. So the presence of groups like this was new to me. You know, Unreligious, irreligious groups who see this as a big issue. And and that fightthenewdrug.org, that was just one group out of many that I saw. And then the last thing I learned was that, as I said, all the advice was more or less the same from about 10 years ago, but there was one key sad difference, and that is that the books, including this one, and the websites, they had one big difference. And that was that they all had a section dealing with what to do if you or someone you cared for was looking at, or suspected of looking at, child pornography. And they didn't make a big deal about it, but they just put it in there. But they all had it, right? So the fact that every, every single one of them felt that they needed to cover this uh, was quite new to me. And, um, yeah. So the first thing to say is, that I want to say to anyway, is that this is an issue that can be portrayed as a very private thing. But actually, particularly for some who really get caught up in it, it can have a very bad effect on the rest of your life, or on your marriage, or on your walk with God. It never stays as a personal problem. And, as we just indicated, it can lead to some very dark places. Now, as I was thinking about it, what I'm going to say here, I realize that some of you here today... You know, you're listening to me, and you are you're deep in a struggle against this. Struggle not to watch porn. You might even have given up, and you just watch it. But that's not the only person that I'm talking to today. Some of you are parents, and you're in a conversation with your children about it. Some of you have a spouse for whom it's an issue, whether regular or not. Some of you, it would be unfair to say you're addicted, but every now and again you give in to the temptation. And some of us are leaders in youth organizations, are in discipleship groups here in Kirkpatrick. And then lastly, all of us, I'm speaking to all of us, we are a community of sinners. Yes, we're saints, but we're sinners too. Every one of us has issues and weaknesses, and we want to be a place where we can talk about these issues and weaknesses with each other, and help each other to live better for God. So that's who I'm addressing. I don't think I've left anyone out. And speaking of this community, we are a group of men and women, and there is an idea that this is only a male problem. That's not the case, Um, not least because it's mostly women who are exploited in the making of porn, but also because the statistics would say that one quarter of visitors to porn sites are women. I was surprised by that. I knew it would be a large number, but a quarter. And again, I came across a website that's aimed specifically at women. It's a Christian website as well. It's called dirtygirlsministries.com. Dirtygirlsministries.com. If you're a woman who struggles with this, check them out. They're very good. But yes, it's not a problem restricted to men. And it's also not a problem restricted to youth. It's basically anyone that has access to the internet, which is all ages. So, what, what can we say about it? Well, we know that for all struggles, it can feel to the person in the middle of it that there is no hope for change. And there is something about porn particularly that because of its solitary nature, and the fact that its use can be well, well hidden, it brings with it a private kind of shame. And a private shame can often turn into a private despair. So, the first thing you need to hear from me is that we are hoping in Kirkpatrick to be a place where you can come out of the darkness and share that. So, you need to hear that you can come talk to me afterwards. You can come talk to me today. You can certainly come and talk to Christoph anytime or Stephen, or any of the elders here, any time, at the very least, what they'll do is they will listen to you and pray for you. And one of our aims with this series, and certainly with this sermon, is that just by talking about it openly, we want to show you that this is something that we want to help each other with. Now, talk is cheap. Action ain't. But in this instance, talking about it and making space to talk about it is the first step in overcoming it. If you are a, a struggler with pornography, the very first piece of advice that I can give you is to tell someone in the church that you trust. Do it today. Text them if you are too scared; they, they will follow up. If they are a communicant here in this church, they should follow up. And a second piece of advice—or well, isn't advice at all—it's truth, and it's that the gospel can change you. you know, talk more about those two things later but know this before we go any further you all of us if you're a christian you have the spirit of god in you, and it's the business of the spirit to make you a more holier person there is hope right why why do people look at it well it's pleasurable right yes Well, let's assume that you uh, agree with me that it's not good. And as I said, many increasingly in the world are coming to that conclusion too. So why do people look at it if it's not good? I read a thing by a counselor, and he said, he gave a list of reasons. He said that people why they look at porn, and he said, sometimes they do it because they're bored. They don't know how to find any meaning in the moment, so they turn to porn. Some of us look at it because we feel entitled It's a a release after a long day's work, a pleasure reward. Some look at it because it's easier than facing the possible rejection of their spouse. You know that he or she is going to say no, or might say no, so rather than enter into that battle, you go to the computer or the phone. Some look at it because it's easier than pursuing their spouse. Some look at it out of a sense of anger, either at the world or their spouse or women. And some look at it because they like the fantasy world that allows them to enter into where they are in control, one of the few places where they call the shots. And I think we'll talk about it again later. I'm speaking off the cuff here as well. Probably loneliness drives an awful lot of people to us. Anytime I talk to people who are struggling with being alone, there are times where they just feel a deep, constant ache. They want to do something about it. Now, all of these reasons have behind them uh, a weakness, a selfishness. They speak, well, loneliness maybe, not so much, but they speak of someone who at the moment of giving in displays a lack of character. And yet, and you know, there's no, there's no courage in the act. Of watching porn, there's no giving to someone else in it. I can't see any way that there's any level of care in it for others. Now, some folk will tell you that watching porn is just scratching a natural itch. That's why you watch it. It's just natural. It's a mere biological urge that if you can't fulfil in real life, then watching porn will suffice. You know, if you're hungry, you eat. If you're thirsty, you get a drink. If you're in mood for sex, you either have sex or you watch porn. And yet. It's way more than that, isn't it? People don't write as many poems, movies, and songs about food and drink as they do about love and sex. And again, as we've been saying all through the series, and as I've said already t- today, sex is good. It is good. But it's also this mysterious power. And I watched a documentary about this brothel in Nevada, you know, Las Vegas state, or the state that Las Vegas is in, in America. This mega brothel, huge thing, out in the desert. And one of the ladies that worked there was saying that every time she slept with someone, a little piece of her died on the inside. She just said it. Like it was, it was true for her, you know. And I don't know any girl who grows up dreaming of wanting to become a porn actress or a prostitute. So we know that sex is special. I don't think we're 100% sure why. I think half the reason there's so many poems and songs is we're trying to dig in and find an answer. But we do know that the specialness of sex and the fact that it's properly located within a marriage, this is the reason that porn doesn't ultimately satisfy, where we keep coming back to it. And eventually, watching it only brings guilt and problems. And ultimately, the person looking at porn is looking for something deeper than just a sexual release. And for sure, the surface reasons of looking at porn are varied. But underneath it all, everyone who looks at it is looking for something to fill this non-tangible need that we all have, that we're all born with. And porn shortcuts it, that need I think by nature it's selfish, it's unrelational, whereas sex, by definition, is a relational act. Real sex brings us together. Porn is solitary and builds walls between you and the people you're watching. Porn creates problems for real sex lives. It's full of false stereotypes. It creates desires that might never be met. It usually leads to unhealthy, at best, desires being created in you. And the pattern, as we've already hinted at, seems to be that a person who gets into porn wants to watch more and more stranger and or depraved things. And if that person's in a relationship, it's just not good news. I think porn cheapens people. It gives you a um, heavy use of it makes you put on the set of glasses that makes you look at people as a collection of body parts that are then graded on a scare of desirability but they're people they're not parts and whereas porn cheapens people in the eyes of others it can also cheapen people in the eyes of themselves what i was reading would say all the statistics would say that women particularly have been influenced by the porn look And they think and feel that they should look like porn stars in the bedroom, if not outside as well. And then, you know, you could talk a lot about this one, but porn is destructive to women all over the world for the simple fact that many in it do not consent to being in it. And furthermore, without a doubt, it is an industry that is populated or governed by people who are into all sorts of other criminal enterprises, including taking women so that, stealing women so that they can be in these films. Uh, Let me say this. I'm told you don't see any prostitutes in Belfast on the street anymore, but there's more these days than ever was. They're just all in apartments around the, the docks. It's the same guys that are making porn that are in that industry. Porn creates... Mistrust in marriages to find out that your spouse is watching it is hard news, and porn in some cases makes people forgo relationships altogether. Increasingly, I hear stories of young men who uh, are happier with what they see on the screen than any relationship whatsoever. Some more bad news, and then we get to the good stuff. Porn also cheapens future marriage because the pathways in your brain that relate porn use to arousal are strengthened, but the pathways between touch, seeing in real life, and holding, they're not used. And one of the most ironic things about the spread of porn is that uh, erectile dysfunction in heavy users is an increasing phenomenon, because only porn turns them on. And I was reading in that great suppository of uh, wealth and information, the Daily Mail, about, you know, you got, they, they have good stuff sometimes. You read across the spectrum. Anyway, right, the Daily Mail was talking about these heavy porn users. And they're now only meeting up with other heavy porn users. Because they can't have a relationship with people who are not into it. Um, porn tries to show you everything, but in the end, it doesn't show Enough. It can't show you the joy of making love to the same person for the thousandth time. You're not going to get that from the screen. It can't show you the bond that is created in a long, committed relationship. Ain't no place for raising kids in porn. You don't get no sense out of that. And it sure as heck doesn't show you the joy of following the Lord, whether you're in a relationship or single. it's not pointing you to Jesus. It gives you moments of bliss. But what's on offer from God is a whole lot more satisfaction. Watching porn is like throwing a precious violin on the fire. You get a small bit of warmth, but you miss out on a lifetime of pleasure. So, what should we do?
0: Hmm?
1: Well, what does God's Word teach us? We know that God teaches that making love to your husband or wife is good. Sexual sin is not. Adultery is not. God's word teaches that uh, adultery goes against his nature. And then in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus clarifies God's prohibitions with regard to sexual sin. uh, And he says they they go beyond adultery in real time to adultery in your head and your heart as well. Jesus asks us to be monogamous inside as well as out. Matthew five, twenty seven twenty nine says, You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So porn watching is classified by the Bible as adultery in your heart. It's lust. It's a sin. It's against the nature of God to do it, and it displeases him. And like all sins, if you do not find some way of getting forgiveness for it, you will pay for it in the next life. So there it is. It's lust, right? And that's why whenever I'm talking to people about this, I say to them, you know, porn is on a spectrum of sexual sin. So here's like actual adultery in real life. Here's porn use. But there is also this other stuff on the spectrum uh, and let me just talk about it briefly, right? So I got two extra goals in myself. I have two extra goals that go beyond not watching pornography. Not watching porn is a goal for me. But I got two other ones. The first is I don't want to see any sexual activity with my eyes beyond when I'm doing it with my wife. Um, that uh, Her and me together is the only sex I want to see. I'm not perfect, but that's the only sex I want to see. So I don't look at sex scenes on television. I close my eyes or look away. The other thing, I couldn't find a way of saying this other than this way. I don't want to take sexual enjoyment out of any other woman other than my wife. So again, I'm not perfect. But that's the goal. And that one probably is the hardest to do when you've got friends who don't have a fake because they're forever talking about this one and that one, how she looks. Um, and there's a lot more that could be said there. But I, I encourage people who are trying to fight this to see porn as something that is on a spectrum of things, and the end goal is to eradicate the whole lot of this. Now, straight away, some of you will be saying, Richie, that's too hard. You don't understand. i got a serious problem. Or my son and my friend have been at this for years, and you're talking to me about not looking at some random women on the street. Well, yes, actually... And I know, right? I've been there. I know that you're feeling like you're powerless here. That you're in the grip, maybe, of something serious, or you don't feel like it's serious, but it's just been part of you so long that even considering not doing it, it's like, what are you talking about? Well, look, like I said, there's hope. I know that this seems like a serious problem, that you can't overcome it, but think of this. The Word of God talks about sin as slavery. We're slaves to sin. But Jesus has come to give us life and to set us free from sin. There's hardly a person in here who hasn't had some victories over different sins in their life. The same could be said to you sometime about this. Or anything. Like, are, are, are you all thinking about porn? You might be thinking about something else whatever it is, you can be free. Now, a lot of the advice that's out there is very practical and it deals with things like putting filters on your internet devices, and that's fair enough. Uh, You should do that. Uh, The the AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, they'll tell you that you should stay away from people, places, and things. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. People, places, and things that trigger your addiction. And you could probably do something similar with pornography. If you look at it a lot in the bedroom, well, then let's get the phone or the computer or the TV out of the bedroom. If you know you're weak at certain times, do you have a friend you could call when you feel that weakness? All right, so there there are practical things, and I wholeheartedly commend all of that stuff to you. And uh, if you start reading the material, you'll find others as well. But can I suggest to you that the practical measures are not enough? You've got to address the underlying issues. And the first thing you've got to do here, is really, it's really quite simple. You've got to admit that this is an issue. You're not a victim here. Yes, there are structural issues at play. Christianity always listens both to both the left and the right wing critique of all issues. So yeah, society is much more sexualized now. Yes, it is sometimes very hard to avoid pornographic images. Yes, you are in a hard situation. I don't know what your situation is, but I trust you when you tell me that it's hard. But if you're looking at pornography, you're not the victim, you're the perpetrator. And you need to be willing to admit that this is a sin and that it's an issue. If you can't do that, I can't help you. Well, come and talk to me anyway, and I'll try and convince you, but you gotta, that's, what, that's the starting point. The second thing is to talk to someone. You've got to tell somebody, or tell them again. Sometimes it's harder to go back to your friends if you, they know you have an issue, and it's kind of gone quiet, and now you're back at the door again, or on the phone again. So What? Tell them again and ask for their help. And as I said, the very least they should do is pray and listen to you. Now, some of you have an issue, and you know that, right? But let me make the whole lot of you squirm a little bit here. I I would encourage you all to have the conversation this week, right? Uh, If you're single, uh, and you have friends, or if you're in a relationship with some kind, you know, your parent, your husband, your spouse, fiancé, just have the general talk about how are you doing in this area. And maybe you've already, that's okay, you're, you're, you've already had it. Um, but I, would, I know it's hard, right? And I, I won't ask you how it went or anything like that, but just, just go for it myself and Erica talked about this very early on and it paid a lot of dividends for us but certainly if you notice know this is an issue step one is to talk to someone second thing to do or third thing sorry is to start asking the question and I think some of you have probably been waiting for me to say this what is driving this what's going on underneath is it finding it hard to deal with being lonely Some, I, I, it's a it's a real thing like a, an ache that gets into the bones of some lonely people is it a low self image is it an, an escape from something that's going on there might not even be a very deep reason for how you started watching it but at the same time once you realize it's not good why didn't you stop and why do you keep going back to it and again and again uh, more people are saying that you know pornography is also it's addictive and <clears throat> it should be treated as an addiction in some cases and like all addictions at the end of the day some part of you uh, some part of your healing will involve simply not doing it anymore I read of a neuroscientist. He was asked, Can you retrain the brain to not want things? And he said, Yes, any brain. Because the brain is like a child who wants sweets. If you stop giving into it, it dem- its demands, sooner or later, it will stop demanding. But, as we know, and as we've been making the case for all this sermon, there is more than likely underlying issues and indeed the world would tell anyone with the addictions that you need to go to counselling to straighten yourself out or to not stop if, if you want to stop taking this thing or stop your addiction you got to get on un, underlying issues addressed as well and so I would get you to think about why why am I looking at it why, or am I, if you're talking to a friend why are they looking at it And pray, you know, what's going on here? Is it covering up some pain in my life? Because if it is, you need to be taking your pain to a different doctor. And, you know, the thing is, friends, I know that that is scary to some of you, or it'll be scary to the people that you're talking to. I have a friend who's left the church recently because he doesn't want to deal with some stuff in his past. Sexual sin is the presenting issue with him. He wants to sleep around because he's lonely. He wants a relationship. But I know that he doesn't want to deal with that because if he does, the Lord is going to talk to him about some things that happened in his past. Some bad things. And that's too scary for him. What I would say to him, and I'd say to you, is that God is good. He's trustworthy. And wherever you go, He's going to be there with you. So, admit the problem, tell somebody about it, start asking what's really going on here, and then, well, not really then, but at any time, also, I should say, this is when you start thinking about turning to Jesus and the gospel. Because at this stage, you need to hear me say that we have a savior, and he wants to set us free. Now, look, this this only works if Jesus is at the center of your life. If you're listening to me, and you reckon Christianity or your faith is just one of many things that you do, then what I'm saying today, you know, if it doesn't, if it hasn't already just annoyed you, uh, you'll try it, and it'll you'll try to put some things in practice, and it'll go backside overhead very quickly, and you'll be more annoyed. At it was a, uh, but you do, you need the gospel. It was a young fella who was playing ho- uh, hours and hours of video games and his parents didn't know what to do with him, right? They wanted to get him out, basically. <laughs> so they were at their wit's end. And then suddenly he was hardly in the house anymore. And they found out that what had happened was that he'd got a girlfriend. And you know he, he had found something that he loved more than video games, In the same way, we need a bigger love to replace our love so that we will find satisfaction in Him. Willpower alone won't win this battle for us. But when you walk away from sexual sin, every time you do that, you need to know you're not turning away from something, you're turning to somebody. The fight is not really to watch less porn. The fight will only be won when you have turned it into a fight to want more Jesus. And that's always the fight. Finding your satisfaction in him and in his ways and in other things will shine a lot less brightly. And that's not just some airy fairy spiritual ease. You know, following Jesus is actually very practical. If you follow the Lord, there are plenty of ways that he will want you to be out and about loving your neighbor. But it is, as well, a, pra- a spiritual practice thing I'm talking about. You know, dedicating yourself to, to worship and here or, or with your friends during the week or on your own so that you hear from him regularly. Listening to the, the word of God preached or the sacraments displaying the truth of his grace to you, praying for more spirit in your life. If you fight to see Jesus, you can overcome most addictions, all addictions. Pornography. So admit the problem, tell someone about it, start asking what's really going on, why am I looking at it? Fight to see Jesus first and foremost. And then the next thing I would say is I want you to make a list of promises from God's Word that speak to you. Drive them into your head and heart. And use them when you need them. And what would I suggest? You know, there is no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, verse 1. How often was I under the spell of deep guilt because of this blasted issue? You know, sometimes the guilt holds you down longer than the thing itself. But there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. John four fourteen Whoever drinks this water, I will give them and they will never thirst. Jesus is always enough. I woke up the other morning and I was in a horrible mood. Snapping at the kids, you know, just grumpy, dead, bad to be around. And I knew I was in a mood. Then I didn't do nothing for a while. And then I said, no, I got to, you know, I tried to steal myself, but then I snapped again. So I was like, I need to do something about this. And I went up into the kid's room, the baby's room and I said, Lord I am not at peace. Give me your peace. And he did. So you need to be able to know that you can turn to him. And he'll help you in the moment. We are never on our own, Hebrews 13.5 says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. There's loads, folks. Whatever, you know, you will have your own ones that are good for you, but call out to them when you need them, right? Make a list. Use them. So admit the problem. Tell somebody about it. Start asking what's really going on here. Fight to see more Jesus, not less porn. Make a list of your battle verses. And then lastly, just be ruthless. Put a bullet in its head every time you get the chance to do it. Tell your friends. Bring them in the middle of the night if you have to. Do what you need to do. God says he'll show you the way out of every temptation. So put on the eyes of faith and take the way out. Because you know. You know what you could do to not do it. How many times have I heard the little voice saying, yeah, I know I could get out of this room right now. Look for where Jesus is leading you right then and kill it. Follow him. I'm nearly finished. right, let me just say that again. Everything I said is admit the problem, tell somebody about it, start asking what's really going on, fight to see more Jesus, not less porn, make a list of your battle verses and then be ruthless. Next week, we got communion. Actually, I'm going to be speaking at it a little bit. And the best way I've heard communion described is that it's the gospel displayed. And when you're taking that next week, if you're here, or next time you take communion, as real as that bread is and that juice is in your mouth, all of the promises are real to you All the promises of the gospel are real to you as well. Porn, masturbation, all that sexual sin, it's just a way of drinking and eating from the table of the world. But we got a different table. We got better food and a better life, a better future coming to those who trust in Jesus. And at the very end of it all, you know, I've said a lot of stuff. You know, all I can say is summarized by this. Jesus is better than porn. Porn is an illusion. But Jesus is the real deal. That's it. I'm going to pray for you. Father, uh, firstly, let me lift up myself and any brother or sister here who is struggling and who wants to remain pure in our uh, sexualized world. I pray for courage for them. I pray for faith for them. I pray for long suffering and an ability to get back up and follow you again. I pray that Kirkpatrick is a place where all of us can find someone to be open and honest with and that ourselves will be receptive to anyone who talks to us. And as well, Father, I pray for any sins that any of us are struggling with, not just pornography. And you'd bless us with freedom from it. Uh, help us to think on these things for the week. We love you. Right. We're going to sing a song of hope. We sang it to death, to be honest with you, but we're going to sing it again.
0: Cornerstone. My hope is built on nothing.